0: Like I said this morning, I I believe that as long as I'll be your pastor at Mountain View, it's probably going to continue because we need it. We need to grow. We need to learn. We need to, to go deeper. And I hope we can look in six months and a year and two years, three years, I hope we can look back and say, man, do you remember when we started and where we are now and what we learned? And I hope we have new Christians that we're teaching them the basics and the fundamentals and seeing them grow. Beautiful thing. And I believe we should always be growing. So we look this morning the thought of God and our Savior Jesus Christ and how He, our view of Him is, makes a huge difference in our walk with Him, in what He did for us and where we were before Him. Our last verse that we didn't get to share came from Revelation 20, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we were, just to summarize what we were going to share this morning, we were headed for eternal damnation. We were headed for hell. And it, it is important that we understand God, and, and when we think of Christ, we can understand what he did for us. Vitally important. But we also must think of ourselves in this context, who we, who we were, where we were, what we were, We see him and what he did, and we thank him for that, but there's a reason that he had to do that. There's a reason Christ had to come and live and die, and a reason all that took place, and it was because of sin. Adam and Eve in the garden sinned and committed sin, and in their lineage, all the way down to you and me, we're products of sin. We're formed of sin, we're born of sin, give us long enough, we begin to sin. We're creatures of it, products of it. And so that damnation of hell is our existence, our destination if we don't know Jesus. But through the redemption of Jesus offered to every man, woman, boy, and girl, the beauty is, is that redemption offers heaven. And what I felt this morning was just a taste of heaven. You ever think about that, how we just get a taste of You ever went by, maybe walking on the street, a very loud building? Maybe it's full of loud music or it's full of people talking or construction equipment, working, power tools, and someone opens the door and it gets so much louder. I think that when the Holy Ghost swoops down on a service, it's almost like someone opens the door of heaven and we can just hear a beautiful sound celebration on the other side beautiful thing that is but tonight to continue in our de- devotional discipleship series we're going to look in romans 3 verse 23 very well known scripture for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god let us pray together lord we love you we thank you for who you are thank you for being our savior we thank you for saving us and we appreciate how good you are to us and how you've redeemed us. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the propitiation of our sins. Lord, he came and in our place he laid down his life. Lord, we just pray that you would take us in this moment and mold us into who you need us to be, that we might get ourselves out of the way and be usable vessels for you to preach your gospel. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. I pray, Lord, that we would reflect upon who we are each and every day. We love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So this morning we thought upon and considered the idea of who we were without Christ and who we were before we were saved and how we were blind and we're headed for hell and headed for destruction. Tonight we begin to look at who we are in essence of our salvation. That first thought being from Romans 3.23 is... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What a true statement it is. That there's no one that you will come across or come around or be around or talk to that has not sinned. I mean, it's part of our literal DNA, our structure, our creation. I mean, it's who we are. There's no one that has not sinned. I saw someone recently, just something you... You know, you run across on the internet for what that's worth. I mean, we we say that like it means something, but there's a lot on the internet that just is ain't, ain't worth nothing. This wasn't really worth nothing. It was really sad. But this woman, she was a Christian influencer, if you will, and she made the statement that she doesn't sin anymore. I haven't sinned in years. That's a bold statement. I think I may have mentioned it a few weeks ago, but the reality is, is, I think she... Looked at it, she probably deals with honesty as an issue or pride. I find myself in that case where I think, man, I'm not like them. You ever done that? You don't have to say yes, but I already see heads nodding. I'm not as bad as they are. And it makes us feel good about ourselves because we can see a flaw in someone else. But my Bible tells me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That each and every person has made a tremendous mistake. And and, and it's part of who we are. We're we're, we're destined for that. We say that makes God unfair. No, it does not make God unfair. The reality is, is that we see all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And as I even mentioned, I believe in my prayer this morning, is that God could have just taken Adam and just crumpled him up and threw him away. And then we wouldn't even have the opportunity or the chance to know God. If he had just done away with him, it's his love that propels him to know us. While, as we shared this morning, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The fact that he knew we would sin, he knew that we would be born into sin, he knew that we would be inclined to sin, he knew that we would 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 enjoy sin. Yet he loves us. What kind of love it is, and it takes. That someone can know you're going to do them wrong. Someone can know that you're going to disappoint them. They they can know and be certain that you're going to let them... He knows everything. He knows the future. He he knows what you're hiding in your walls. He knows all these things. Yet, he still loves us. And so when, when we begin to understand what takes place in the salvation of someone... We first have to consider and realize that that we all, every single one of us, have sinned and we're guilty before God. We're all sinners. Isaiah 64 and 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. By righteousness, all the goodness that I can muster together is as filthy rags. One man said, the worst form of badness is human goodness. All of my goodness is worth nothing to God. The only thing good in me is Him. The only thing I possess that that can produce any good fruit, we just talked about good fruit and bad fruit in the past few messages. The only thing that will produce anything good in me is Christ. Now there are people that don't know Jesus that are nice people. Amen. There are people that don't know Jesus that live a more moral life than some Christians I've seen. And it begs to the, the question, which is not my place to ask, but it begs the question if some of those Christians even know Jesus to begin with. Faith without works is dead. There, there, there's going to be some evidence that you know Jesus. Now, it's not my place. But you wonder. We're all sinful. We're all guilty before God. All, all, everything I can do is not enough. But if I know Jesus, I'm going to do something. There's going to be something. Some kind of evidence that I know him. But I think the lesson we learned tonight as we begin kind of working through understanding salvation is, first of all, for anyone that does not know Jesus, there is no one that ever come to Jesus perfect. No one. Now, they can make it look perfect. They can make it sound perfect. They can act perfect. They can, I mean, they can paint the prettiest picture you've ever seen about how good they are, but they're hiding something. There's nobody. People love holding the preacher up to a different standard. It took the same blood of Jesus Christ to save the preacher as it does anybody else. We hold people up to the, these different standards because they, they, it, it, the dead's a tool of the devil. He likes to make us think that people are on different levels with God. I, I, I mean, everyone that comes to Christ comes as a sinner and it's only by the grace of God that he's preserved and used anybody it's only by his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his love so we've all sinned we all come short of the glory of God so if you're lost and you don't know Jesus you're coming to him just like everyone else there's an absolute even playing field when you stand at the foot of the cross No matter what somebody else may make you think. No matter what it may look like. No matter what they may tell you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now, when you're a saved Christian, you know Jesus. You're walking through this life. It's important that we remember that everyone has sinned and everyone has come short of the glory of God. Because what happens is when you're on the other side of things, if you're not careful, self-righteousness will begin to take root in your heart. Because you see yourself do one thing right, if you're not careful, that one person that does you wrong, you'll hold that over their head. Well, I'm not like them, or I I don't act like them, or look what they've done. I've been guilty at times. There was a guy, the other day, I was Wednesday night, I was driving home, and I get to the Hendersonville exit, and 26 is closed. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, I can handle it when I get down to exit 44. Cuz I don't get all mixed up trying to get on 25 down there. But I'm in Hendersonville. What am I going to do? I don't know. I don't get off the of Hendersonville exit. Praise the Lord, there's a cookout right there. So I pondered what I was going to do while I was eating a barbecue sandwich. Thank the Lord. But the reality I get out on 25. I get out on Lester Highway. And there's a guy, actually, never mind, I was in downtown Asheville. Dude, swerving through traffic. 50, 60, 65 miles an hour. Nearly clipped the front of my car off. And it was late by this point. It's 11 o'clock. I held Sam here late talking until 1030. 11-something, driving through Asheville. Nearly eclipsed the front of my car. Nearly hit somebody else. And I'm, I mean, I'm just having to confess to you. I, I prayed the same prayer my dad used to pray for Jeff Gordon. I wish he'd roll that thing over three or four times and crawl out safe. I thought if I get her... <laughs> you know that's the truth. I get around the corner and, and he, wasn't in a, he wasn't in a ditch. And I was thinking, man, he's going to kill somebody. But was it right for me to have that thought towards that person? I mean, you can tell me, I'm asking you. Was it right? That wasn't. I'm just being honest with you. If we're not careful... We will see someone do something wrong and unjustly wish something on them. And if something does happen to them, we, we just want to tell everybody, I told you so. Did you see it happen? Did you see it happen? They fell. They messed up. They ended up in the ditch. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They are no, I am no better than them. And I become just as guilty of them when they do something wrong me and I wish something on them. I'm guilty of these things. I've dealt with this stuff. I know. You see those things. Then, now I've got kids. I'm like, well, I have my kids with me, you know. That makes me feel better about myself. I've got my kids. They're in danger. I did that before I was married, dating, anything else. Just being honest. I need a move and a touch of the Lord each and every day to show me how unworthy I am. I need him to deal with me and work with me and, and humble me to realize what a wicked creature that I am. Because you know what? I remember one time, I, I got all kinds of road stories. I remember one time I was, when I was a Madison County pastor and there was a guy, same thing, driving down the interstate. And I pull in our church parking lot. Dude nearly runs us over on the interstate. And he gets off the exit behind me. And I pull into the church parking lot, and he's still behind me. I'm thinking, this dude's going to show up at the church. And he went on by, and when I saw him, I knew who he was. He was a preacher at the church down the road. I was thinking, man, if it wasn't Sunday morning. No, I'm just kidding. But I I had anger in my heart towards somebody that I didn't need to have. And then the only reason I wanted to fess up to it is because I thought I was going to get confronted. Everybody ever been there? They are guilty like I am, but I'm guilty like they are. And I become guilty when I cast judgment upon them for something they've done their own with. I mean, I I have no authority over that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Next thought I have tonight is thinking once again on how the price of that sin that we all possess and we all carry, the price of that sin is death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He tells us that the price we will pay for our sin is death. But he doesn't wait long to tell us that we're offered redemption through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I thank, I thank God for that. I think that he didn't wait a chapter to tell us that, that our gift is, is through Christ. I, I thank the Lord that he didn't wait verses and verses and verses. You see, he's a merciful God. And our, our, our price, our wages is death. But our gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a beautiful thing that is. We all possess this, every person in here. Possess that sin. We come to an age where we realize. Riley's starting to really learn right from wrong. Because he's doing wrong a lot and he's getting in trouble. But he's not to that age where he understands. Morally, biblically, scripturally. He's doing right or he's doing wrong. The very moment he does. He becomes responsible for his sin. I look at him right now and you think my goodness, and I believe God looks down on him at that point, at this very point, looks down and, and sees that, I mean, he ain't even listening, he don't even understand, he don't even know, he's held in God's hand, protected, but the moment he understands, just like me, he's held accountable for his sin, and I'm praying now, I'm ready to get that monkey off my back, I mean, it's a weight, amen, parents, I'm ready to, to get, ready to get past this. I'm just being honest with you. But my heart's burdened for these children because you see them, they begin to understand right and wrong. They, they begin to, to indulge in the wrong a little bit. They, 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 they do right here and they, they do wrong here. There's coming a day, it's going to have eternal and spiritual significance. And we ought to pray and beg God that these, these little children, one day they're going to understand. We ought to pray that the moment they do, we know and I believe that they're brought up, taught. They'll know. They'll know that, 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 hey, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, that gift, eternal life, comes through Jesus Christ. And so we ought to pray that for them because, hey, these are little sinners too. They, they're they're going to sin. They're going to do wrong. They're going to make mistakes. And what a blessing it is if we could have a church full of these young people that, that they don't spend years wondering, that they can have assurance at these young tender ages that when they do become to come to that age of accountability that they can realize and that that we pray for them and we carry that burden that they can know Jesus and at that young age they can begin walking in their life with the faith and assurance of heaven i believe that's god's plan it's not god i don't believe it's god's plan for somebody to be 50 and get saved and 60 and get saved i believe it's a, it's his plan that as they come to that point where they realize spiritually and biblically right and wrong that they come to know Jesus. Why would he want them to wait till they're 40? Why would he want them to wait till they're 50? You got saved at 50, praise the Lord. But it's his plan that these little children born into this flock are born again at a young age, I believe. And so we thank the Lord that, that he makes his intentions known. Hey, he, he is a just God, he is angry with sin but he's a merciful God. And in this verse, we see how his mercy swoops in. Just words after he says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In John 3.18, we see, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's pretty simple. If you believe, you're not condemned. If you don't, you're condemned. You're As we shared this morning, you're responsible for your sin. If you don't believe, you don't confess, you don't repent, you don't accept Christ as your Savior. I read uh, in, in, in a discipleship book I'd read, it talked about the, the Titanic. What a great, great, great illustration to use. I mean, sad, but it works. Makes sense because... After this took place, Brother Gary shared about the Titanic. It was a wonderful story I'd never heard of, but after this took place, after the Titanic sunk, they took a record, and there were only two categories in the record of the souls on on the Titanic. Lost and saved. That was the terminology they used in that day as well. There were lost people and there were saved people. And among human beings... That have ever lived and are living upon the earth today, there are two categories there are lost people and there are saved people. Nothing else matters. Nothing. There's people that know Jesus and there's people that don't. And those people that don't, if they don't accept Him, they will have a price to pay. And it's eternal, it's forever. It's terrible, it's horrible, but what a beautiful thing it is that my God doesn't pick and choose. That it's not offered to you and not offered to me, or offered to me and not offered to you. That he doesn't have a section or a group that he specifically loves. That's not just Mountain View, that all up and down the road, all the churches I pass on the way over here, all the churches you pass on the way over here, there are souls inside of those buildings that know Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, it's a wonderful thing, but it's simple. There are those that believe and those that do not. Brother Josh, I believe one of your few of your favorite verses from Ephesians 2, verse eight and nine, I believe. "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Now we know faith without works is dead. James says that, but it's also taught by the Apostle Paul, and some people try to make this a contradiction, they say in the Bible. But it's not a contradiction. You've got to have some discernment. For by grace are you saved through faith. Well, there in Romans 6, 23, we see God's grace. For the wages of sin is death, but. But. That's grace right there. For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. God extends grace to lost people. And it is only in through and by faith, saving faith. You must place your faith upon him to be saved. Saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. There's nothing that you can do in yourself that will gain you stance with God. It is the gift of God. See, it's a gift. You just have to accept it and receive it. That's how simple it is. There's no technicality about it. It's just the simple fact that he's offering you a gift through his grace and you place your faith in him and you will be saved. Simple. You get run out of some churches preaching that because it's too simple. Not Mountain View, right? Amen. Not of works, lest any man should boast now he's taught these works are different than the works that brother James is talking about when James is talking about faith without works is dead he's saying that there are people that say they have faith but there's absolutely no fruit that they do have faith because they they, they have no spiritual life that's evident ever in their walk and he's saying that that kind of faith that's not real faith If if you're truly redeemed if you've truly been saved if you truly know Jesus there's some works that you do some things that you do that reflect the fact that you know jesus and it don't have to be great big works that everybody sees but there's evidence the works we see here in ephesians not of works lest any man should boast means that there's nothing that you have done to contribute to your salvation except for place your faith in christ People want to bargain with God. It goes back to the same old thing. Well, I've done this, or I've done that, or I've been here, and I there's nothing I can do that will gain me standing in favor with God. And if I think that's the case, I am overcomplicating the gospel, and I'm adding to the gospel. We talked about legalism or literalism. How legalism is, I add to the gospel in the fact that if I don't do something or if I, if I don't participate in something or if I don't believe a certain way, I'm not going to get to heaven. Now, that's the case when it comes down to biblical things. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ came, he lived, and he died. If you don't believe that, you ain't going to get to heaven. Amen? But there are preferences that people have turned into religion that they tried to turn into doctrine, and that's not the case. We must be careful. We must realize the difference. Faith without works is dead. It's talking about the evidence and the fruit of your walk with Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 where it says, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That means that nothing you have done has contributed to your salvation. It means it's all Jesus. It's not you. It's not me. It's all Jesus. And that's all we need. Have you ever done anything Perfectly? Have you ever done anything that you, you, you haven't messed up at some point? There's nothing I have done that I haven't messed up with at some point in time. There's people who play sports. When they're 20, 21 years old, they are the best thing on the court. They're the best thing on the field. They're the best thing on the track. They're the best thing in the ring. They're the best thing ever. But you give them some time. What happens? They ain't like they used to be. Keith and Taffy, that you you told us about a disease you were affected with at lunch today, AGE disease. Age does it to you. Over time, things deteriorate. Sean Mintz is evidence every day. Turned forty, he's just. <laughs> Give me a face back there, that's why he got that. Just so you know, I don't, I don't try to pick on him. He starts it all. Sheena knows, she can, she can tell you. I mean, that's what happens. There's coming a day, I hope it's 30 years from now, somebody's going to think, man, old Josh, he just he ain't like he used to be. There will. Your grandkids might be the ones saying that. I hope somebody comes and tells me so I can just go home. Don't let me flop around in here. Do not. I will be mad. If you let me get old and flop around in here and not just just wear us down. Sean don't have to worry about that. 30 years. His grandkids will. Somebody tell me. Age and time it takes away from the quality of what we put out, right? It does. I don't even remember where I was at. Flopping around. <laughs> Flop around, Sean Mints. Okay, seventies, young, and by then they'll give you a new. They'll be putting new legs and arms on you and everything else. But our works, what I can do and what I can achieve, it might be good today. Ooh, I got it. It might be good today, but you give it a few years. Give it some time. My works deteriorate over time. What I'm able to do today, I won't be able to do in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Not as well or not at all, right? Give me some time and the quality will drop. That's why I can't count on those things. I can't count on them. It's only him. It's only Jesus it's only what he does and what he achieves. The things that he can do are timeless. The things that he can achieve are forever. The things that he ordains will never age. Dwayne was trying to get me, get me to give him my old rusty truck. I said, Man, there's faith. I got faith that there is a redemption story for that old Chevrolet. I'm going to get that rust fixed, put a new engine in it. I'm going to finally have enough faith to drive it all the way over here. It's going to be a blessing. Man, when I got that truck, there wasn't a spot of rust on it, Sam. Wasn't a speck, 60,000 miles, 1999 Chevrolet Silverado. My grandfather, I've got his 87 Ford. I I do have a Ford, guys. It started rusting out in the wheel wells, and cigarette butts started falling out of the the truck bed where he had thrown his cigarette butts down the truck bed. Age will do that to you, won't it? Good things deteriorate, right? But only earthly things deteriorate. The things of God, they will never rust. They'll never decay. there will never be a spot or a speck of blemish on the things of God. And that has to do with your salvation. This body is going to die. There are funerals that will be had this year. I hope it's nobody in here. I hope we just keep, keep going and everything's fine. There may be a funeral. He may have my funeral. Last time I said something about that, I got the flu A, B, and C and about died. But our bodies will give up on us. They will deteriorate. We will die if Jesus Christ doesn't come back. But your salvation will last forever because it was ordained and it was created in heaven and it was secured upon the cross by Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to be funny or foolish tonight with all of my stories, but I'm just, that's the the truth of the matter is that, hey, we're just decaying. We're affected with AGE. We're going to die. We're going to fall apart. We're going to forget. Things are going to change. The quality is going to go down. But I thank God that I'm not relying on my works and what I can do and achieve because he's already done it all. And what my father has done is better than what I could ever do. So your salvation, first, everyone has sinned. And second... We remember and know that it's secured through Christ. And our price, the price of our sin is death. And Jesus, he paid, he paid the price that we might not experience eternal damnation. Romans 5, 8, but God committeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The verse we've referenced multiple times this uh, this Sunday. While we were yet sinners. And that's why I should have more faith in my salvation and what he did rather than what I could do. is because the best I can do, I'm still unlovable. I'm still unlovable. But while I was unlovable, he commended his love towards me. What a blessing that is. A beautiful thing, another beautiful thing we see from Romans ten thirteen. 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, he paid the price for my sin debt and your sin debt and any, anyone that calls upon him will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, The Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For what with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, confessing him, and shalt believe, believing in him in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You confess and you believe, that's it. And that should cause us, as we shared this morning, that should cause us to desire God. That's the the desired outcome. Is that should cause us, Christian, to desire him, to walk closer to him, to fellowship in him, I can use Katie again as an example. Now she's here. I was at the cardiologist the other day. And uh, I was standing there. And she's sitting over here. And I'm, another lady's helping me. Katie has a customer in front of her. and she, Katie tells her coworker, that's my preacher. And the woman in front of Katie is like, this homeless looking dude. I didn't think I looked that bad. I got a hat on and a beard and my blue jeans. Apparently, that's scary. We got done. Katie, I think it's like, you come see our church. They got something real going on over there. There's something real over there. There's something genuine there. See, people look at us and I don't know much. I'm finding that out. Go back to college and you'll, you'll figure that out. I don't know much. And it's been a minute. But the beautiful thing is there's something going on here that you and I know that's simple and it's real and it's genuine and people look at us and they're, they think we're a little crazy they think we're a little different they think we're a little strange but we know, don't we, Katie? We know what's real. We know there's something going on over here at Mountain View Baptist and it ain't about nobody here but it's all about him. Why? Because he paid the price. For his bride, and his bride knows that he is good. He is real. He is God. He is genuine. And I know that. No matter who may look at me and think something of me, I know. And it's simple. And they can be a part of it, too. And guess what? They won't be looking so crazy next time. They'll be like, man, praise the Lord, I know, too. And I know. And everybody else knows. And everybody, somebody else is thinking, man, they're strange. They can know too. Because he, he says and he tells us in the book of Romans. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And a few verses before. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. And shalt believe. That's all it takes.